Hey there, this is Patrick, and you're listening to Youth, St. Stephen, a podcast produced by the Youth Ministries at St. Stephen Lutheran Church. Thanks for joining us today. We're so glad you're here with us. Is it too late now to say sorry? Cause I'm missing more than just your body. forgiveness. Maybe you're sensing a pattern in that mashup of songs. You know, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about families, some of the most important families in the Bible, but our own families too. In every story we've talked about so far, at least one family member has messed up big time. We've heard stories of lies, deceit, disagreements, jealousy, selfishness, and even murder. Sure, some of these stories are pretty extreme, but they're not all that different from our own family stories. In every family, there are plenty of opportunities to give and receive forgiveness. There are so many reasons why we might need to forgive a family member, especially siblings. But in some situations, forgiveness is easier to offer than it is in others. Would you rather forgive a sibling for eating your candy or eating your pizza? Stealing your money or stealing your friend? Tripping you on purpose or tripping you by accident? Lying to you or lying about you to someone else? Pushing you or embarrassing you? We've all needed to forgive or be forgiven by a family member. No family is perfect because families are just people. And people, I hate to break it to you, are never perfect. In every family, people hurt each other. But when typical families hurt each other, they respond with bitterness, anger, or maybe revenge. Atypical families, they hurt each other too. But instead of pursuing revenge, they pursue forgiveness. We've been saying there is no family God can't use. Your family can be used by God to do atypical things in our world. The question is, how? At some point, we all need to forgive or be forgiven by our families. Sometimes forgiving our family members is easy, but when a person has deeply hurt us, forgiveness can be much more difficult. Typical families let their hurts and offenses go unresolved until they result in bitterness, broken relationships, or even revenge. But atypical families know their relationships with their families are too valuable to lose. So far in this series, we've met the family of Adam and Eve, the family of their descendant Abraham, and the family of Abraham's grandsons, Jacob and Esau. Today I want to introduce you to another generation of this same family. Jacob's son Joseph and his brothers. 
We've talked about Joseph before, so you might be familiar with some of his story. But today we're going to focus specifically on Joseph's relationship with his family. Let's get a quick overview of Joseph's story, and then we'll look more closely at the details. So Jacob goes on from there to have 12 sons, big family. But Jacob loves his 11th son, Joseph, way more than all the others. And so he gives him the special technicolor dream coat. And his brothers, because of this, come to hate him. So much so that they plan on killing him. But they don't. They instead just sell him as a slave down in Egypt. Now, while in Egypt, through this crazy series of events, Joseph goes from being in a prison cell to becoming the second in command there. And so later on, the the whole Middle East falls into this food shortage. And Joseph's brothers, they come down to Egypt looking for food. And then when they get there, who should they find as the ruler of the whole land? It's Joseph, that guy they sold into slavery. But he actually saves them from starving to death. And so here you have it. These are the great-grandchildren of Abraham who have done this heinous act to their brother, But God has transformed their evil into something good. And that's exactly what Joseph says here in the last paragraph of the entire book. He says, you guys planned all of this for evil, but God planned it for good to save people's lives. Now, these words, they conclude the book because they actually summarize the message of the whole story so far. Humans keep choosing evil, and we are thinking they're they're screwing up God's plan, but he keeps turning their evil back into good. And somehow, he's going to use this family to restore humanity back to the garden. So that's the book of Genesis. Now that we have the big picture, let's pay closer attention to Joseph's relationship with his family. Genesis 37. Meanwhile, Jacob had settled down where his father had lived, the land of Canaan. This is the story of Jacob. The story continues with Joseph, 17 years old at the time, helping out his brothers in herding the flocks. These were his half-brothers, actually, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. And Joseph brought his father bad reports on them. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age. And he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. When his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up, and your bundle circled around it and bowed to mine. His brother said, so you're going to rule us? You're going to boss us around? And they hated him more than ever because of his dreams and the way he talked. He had another dream and told this one also to his brothers. I dreamed another dream, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. When he told it to his fathers and his brothers, his father reprimanded him. What is with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers supposed to all bow down to you? Now his brothers were really jealous, but his father brooded over the whole business. Let's think about these family dynamics. Joseph is his father's favorite, clearly. And he isn't quiet about it. Joseph decides it's a good idea to tell his brothers that someday they will all serve him. 
For obvious reasons, his brothers didn't like this. Now, I'm not defending what Joseph's brothers did to him, but let's be clear. Joseph wasn't totally innocent. He was arrogant and a little obnoxious. One day, Joseph's brothers are working hard in the fields. Joseph heads out to meet them, wearing his fancy coat, of course. Genesis 37. They spotted him off in the distance. By the time he'd got to them, they had cooked up a plot to kill him. The brothers were saying, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these old cisterns. We can say that a vicious animal ate him up. We'll see what his dreams amount to. Reuben heard the brothers talking and intervened to save him. We're not going to kill him. No murder. Go ahead and throw him in the cistern out here in the wild, but don't hurt him. Reuben planned to go back later and get him out and take him back to his father. When Joseph reached his brothers, they ripped off the fancy coat he was wearing, grabbed him, and threw him into a cistern. The cistern was dry. There wasn't any water in it. Then they sat down to eat their supper. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites on their way from Gilead. Their camels loaded with spices, ointments, and perfumes to sell in Egypt. Judah said, Brothers, what are we going to get out of killing our brother and concealing the evidence? Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. But let's not kill him. He is, after all, our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. By that time, the Midianite traders were passing by. His brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph with them down to Egypt. Later, Reuben came back and went to the cistern. But there was no Joseph. He ripped his clothes in despair. Beside himself, he went to his brothers. He said, the boy is gone. What am I going to do? They took Joseph's coat, butchered a goat, and dipped the coat in the blood. They took the fancy coat back to their father and said, we found this. Look it over. Do you, do you think this is your son's coat? He recognized it at once. My son's coat. A wild animal has eaten him. Joseph torn limb from limb. Jacob tore his clothes in grief, dressed in a rush burlap, and mourned his son a long, long time. His sons and his daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused their comfort. I'll go to the grave mourning my son. Oh, how his father wept for him. In Egypt, the Midianites sold Joseph to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, manager of his household affairs. Imagine you and your siblings are outside, sweating in the sun. While you're hard at work, your brother, your dad's favorite, comes strutting over to you wearing his fanciest and most expensive clothes while you are covered in sweat and dirt. Clearly, he has not come to lend you a hand. Joseph's brothers are so tired of Joseph, his attitude, his favorite status, and his dreams about how he would someday be their ruler. In anger and jealousy, they throw Joseph into a well, which they call a cistern, stage his death, and sell him into slavery. I've needed to forgive family members before, but I've never had to forgive anyone for something like this. Joseph may have had an attitude problem. 
Joseph may have had an attitude problem, but this kind of retaliation from his brothers was straight out cruel. You already know how the story ends. Joseph saves the lives of his brothers and forgives them for what they did to him. Joseph forgives his brothers, but when their father Jacob dies, the brothers get scared that Joseph will change his mind and try to get revenge. They know they haven't deserved the forgiveness and kindness Joseph has given them. In Genesis 50, we learn Pharaoh allowed Joseph to go and bury Jacob. Before Joseph died, he said that God would lead his people back to the promised land. Joseph had every reason to be angry at his brothers, but Joseph chose forgiveness instead of bitterness. Many years after Joseph forgave his brothers, Jesus preached a sermon to a group of his followers. Last week, we read part of that sermon about having tough conversations. Let's read the next part of that conversation. Jesus says in Matthew 18, Become like children to enter the kingdom. A shepherd searches for the lost sheep. Forgive 70 times 7 times. Jesus goes on to tell a parable about a man who had been forgiven of a huge debt. It was forgiveness he didn't deserve. But when he asked this same man to forgive them of their debt, he refused. Here was Jesus' point. God had forgiven you of so much. So give some of that forgiveness back to each other. The kind of forgiveness Joseph showed his brothers, I'll admit it's not typical. It's kind of hard to understand why he did that. But that's the kind of forgiveness that God has shown to us through Jesus. Throughout our series, Atypical, we've been saying that if you want God to use your family to do atypical things, sometimes you have to be the first person in your family to do something atypical. That's what Joseph did. And it's what Jesus teaches us to do. When you've been hurt by someone in your family, the typical response is to get bitter or to you know, take revenge. But Joseph chose to do the atypical thing. He showed his brothers forgiveness, kindness, and most importantly, compassion. Not so typical families forgive each other. In just a second, I'm going to share some action steps that we can all take together toward forgiveness. But first, I want to acknowledge that this conversation might be confusing for some people listening. You might have a family member who's hurt you so deeply or so repeatedly that the idea of forgiving them like Joseph forgave his brother seems impossible. Let me be clear. If anyone in your family, or even not in your family, has hurt you or continues to hurt you physically, emotionally, or sexually. This conversation is not for you. If this is your story, God is not telling you to move on or be nice to them or protect them from the consequences of their actions. That's not the point of this conversation. If this is your story, here's what I want you to do. Tell someone you trust today. Do not hesitate. Just like forgiveness changed Joseph and his family for the better, being eager to forgive can change your family for the better too. So how do you forgive a family member when they've hurt you? 
Forgiveness doesn't have to be complicated. Sure, we can make it complicated, but it doesn't need to be. It could be as simple as admitting you've been hurt, telling God you need help to forgive them, asking God to heal the parts of your heart that have been hurt, choosing to focus on moving forward instead of what's happened in the past, forgiving yourself and asking for forgiveness if you need to for the part you played in what happened. Think right now about a family member you need to forgive. Now imagine how you and your family could be transformed if you were willing to choose forgiveness over bitterness and revenge. How do you think that forgiveness could change your attitude or perspective? How do you think forgiveness could change the person you're fighting with? And how do you think forgiveness could begin to change your family's pattern of behavior in the long term? Forgiveness is tough. But isn't it amazing that we get to forgive others in the same way God has forgiven us? In the next few minutes, here's what I'd like you to do. Identify someone in your family you need to forgive. Write their name down and pray for them as you do. Think about why you want to forgive them. Is it because you're tired of feeling angry? Because you don't want to become bitter? Because you miss having a close relationship with them? Write that down too. Hang on to this card. Let it be a reminder of your commitment to forgive instead of to take revenge. Forgiveness is often a process, so while you learn to forgive, you may need to be reminded of why it's worth it. Forgiveness is something we can offer to those who have hurt us, but it's also a gift we give ourselves. Unforgiveness leaves us feeling bitter, angry, and closed off to others. But when we let God help us forgive, we find healing, hope, and freedom. We've talked about a lot of difficult things in the past few weeks. That's because our families can be pretty difficult sometimes. But our imperfect families aren't hopeless. Like Adam and Eve, not-so-typical families can be used by God. Like Abraham and Lot, not-so-typical families pray for each other. Like Jacob and Esau, not-so-typical families have tough conversations. Like Joseph and his brothers, not-so-typical families forgive each other. It's not your job to fix your family, but if you want to see your family be used by God to do atypical things in our world, you have a role to play. Pray for your family, have those tough conversations, and forgive your family. When it comes to your family, don't be typical. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Well, hey there, you're still listening. You are the true MVP. Give yourself a nice pat on the back. We as a ministry for today's youth pour our heart into these episodes 
And when someone goes all in and listens to everything we've got, it makes our heart shine. So thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, share it with a friend. Send them a text or a snap and feel free to post us on your story. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. You can send us an audio message on Anchor. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining in and spending some time together. We can't wait to see you again. Check out what else we've got for you at stephen.org slash youth. And remember, God loves you, no matter what. See you soon. <laughs>